Every kingdom has to have a king. And when we talk about the kingdom of God on earth, the Bible lets us know that God is going to be king of that, but that there is a human element, both in kingship and in the remaining life on earth, way beyond the present. These are interesting subjects. We're going to talk about them, and we're also going to talk a little bit about um, the millennium and how what was taught when the church age ended how that began to morph into some different things. So stay tuned. Well, welcome back. We're glad that you're with us. This is a great day, and we are studying about the doctrine of the millennium. We've talked Uh, several things about it, primarily about this is what we're teaching here now is what was taught um, by the apostles even to the first believers in the post-apostolic age. And uh, we've quoted some of those early Bible students and what they had to say about it and so forth. Uh, But there is no kingdom where there is no king. Let's talk about this a little bit. And so, if there is a coming kingdom, which there is, this now makes the second coming of Christ a very important subject. And the Bible tells us that that second coming will be a glorious introduction to the world of the conquering king of kings and lord of lords. And it's pretty pronounced. If you read Matthew 24, verses 30 and 31, and other places, you will see that Uh, Christ shall be established on the throne, and he will rule over not only the earth, but the universe forever. The Bible lets us know that he is going to do that. And uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 2, lets us know that. Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, lets us know that. All of these things indicate that the risen, resurrected Christ by virtue of him having conquered death, hell, and the grave, and that is the primary enemies of the human race, that he, as a human, a resurrected human, a triumphant human, a transformed human, is now the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. He's the one that will rule over the universe. So you have Old Testament scriptures that says God will be the king of his kingdom. So is it God the king, or is it the resurrected Christ as a man that's the king? Well, this is the beauty of Jesus Christ, because Jesus is God, John 1, 14, and 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, which says God was manifested in the flesh, and that that's talking about Jesus is very clear in the remainder of that verse. Also, in the John 1, 14 passage, that the Word was made flesh, and the Word is God, John 1 and 1. And so here we have, in Jesus, we have both the resurrected human triumphant man, the last Adam, the second man. All of these are um, uh, biblical phrases. We have him ruling and reigning, but he's also God manifested in the flesh, meaning it is the only way that you will ever see God. God, in his essence, is invisible, cannot be seen. He is everywhere at once, and this is beyond the power 
of our human capacity with its earth orientation um, and its limitations. It's, it's impossible for us to fully comprehend that. But God does make himself known. God does reveal himself. God can be manifested and is manifested permanently and eternally. And that manifestation became flesh in John 1.14. And God that has shown out from himself, that shines forth from himself because God is light, is going to be manifested and is only seen in the face of Jesus Christ forever. For Jesus is God. It is God manifested in the flesh. So that's the way that we have Jesus who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is the king over the earth of the kingdom of God when it becomes established on the earth. And so all of the nefarious work of Satan during that time will be removed. And John discusses the scene He says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven. This is Revelation chapter 20. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. It pretty well identifies who that is. And bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. So when you look at this, you can see that here is, here is a, a dramatic, r- radical change in uh, how the earth operates when the kingdom of God becomes extant, when it becomes manifest through the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us at the end of that period of time. Now, I don't think that's the end of the kingdom of God. People oftentimes divide this up, and in some ways it's appropriate to do so, that there's the millennium, and then there's after that there is the new heaven and the new earth. While that is true, things that are established during the millennium, those same things after the renovation of the earth will be maintained evidently in the society of man in the kingdom of God for eternity on earth. So these are interesting subjects. They're out on the outer edge. And uh, so to say each thing that we say, we'll try to validate with scripture, uh, but the but but a phrase may be used in more than one way in scripture. So let me just give you an example of this. When you talk about the new heaven and the new earth and millennium, some of the things that are said about the millennium evidently will all be also be true into the new heaven and the new earth just like the Bible uses a phrase, day of the Lord, which primarily means the period of time when the wrath of God is poured out upon uh, his people Israel and upon the earth and all of the rebels. This would be at the end of what Jesus called the time of great tribulation. Uh, This would be the time that we would identify as Daniel's 70th week. Uh, This would be the time that the Bible identifies as Jacob's trouble, and so it's pretty clear here what's going on. There's a time of judgment that, that comes there. It's, a, it's doom. It's, it's the day of the Lord when his judgment comes. But the day of the Lord is also used for sometimes includes the coming of the Lord, which ends that judgment. And at the end of that judgment, 
the people come to a great revelation of the Messiahship of Jesus Christ, and they accept him, and the day of the Lord becomes a beautiful thing. So some of the things in the millennium sometime are included in the day of the Lord, even though it is, uh, uh, for all intents and purposes, it is a time of the judgment at the end um, of the age. And so, so some of these some of these phrases, uh, you look at them closely, and sometimes there's a little blurring of that line. Uh, so at the end of the millennium time, John tells us in, in chapter 20 of Revelation, the great white throne judgment is described as being at the end of this time. In verse 11 of chapter 20, this judgment reveals a bringing to judgment all the wicked dead not yet judged uh, from the earth. Those whose names are not found in the book of life are cast into the lake of fire. Death and hell are also cast into the lake of fire. And this is what the Bible calls the second death. And so the Bible then, in Revelation chapter 21, introduces and describes the new heaven and the new earth. And while there's much about the movement from the millennium to the new heaven and new earth, which remains shrouded in future midst. It appears that some of the wonderful things in the millennium um, may also be found in the new heaven and the new earth. So um, when we look at all of this, as the history of the church moved away from the apostles themselves, often ideas of the millennium developed that uh, was not what came out of the apostolic age, out of the New Testament age. We need to just take a look at these two things because they still exist in our society today. So the two most prominent of these things that came out of this later, that that evolved, uh, were what we call post-millennialism and ah-millennialism. And these are two of the things that uh, are taught today by some and uh, uh, have become aberrations of what was taught coming out of the apostolic age. Postmillennialism poses that the return of the Messiah will occur at the end of the millennium. The Messiah will come at the end of the millennium. And uh, the guy that kind of put this on the map was named Daniel Whitby. He lived 1628 till 1725. He was a British Unitarian. He taught that the return of the Messiah would be ushered in as a result of the uh, maturing brotherhood and sisterhood of believers in the church. Uh, these believers in the church, there would be a, a maturation that comes to the church uh, and to the world as well. And so by the power of the church in world affairs, in politics, uh, the world would gradually overtake, uh, the church would gradually overtake the world and become the dominant force. The church, as a result of her success in the earth, would hand over to the Messiah a world ready to embrace him as their king. Now, even though this doesn't match at all the description provided in Scripture of the chirological manner in which Christ will come to his kingdom, um, and we will try to talk about that too here in the future, uh, the, uh, they nevertheless, though that doesn't match, this is what the guy taught. And the idea was that the church's success in changing society 
coupled with the growing power of man through the Industrial Revolution. This is the time that this became uh, uh, popular because people were seeing things flourish. They were seeing things, successes take place like they'd never seen before and like history had not seen for hundreds of years. And the emerging uh, uh, can-do thinking, the positive mental attitude in society, created an atmosphere of personal and corporate confidence, which made uh, a bed that was easy to introduce this post-millennialism. And uh, they, they said, this is what's going to bring to pass uh, the kingdom of God on earth. And uh, through doing this, uh, Christ will, will come at the end of the age. They were talking about the church being the millennial age. And so thus the doctrine of an evolving triumph of good over evil resulting in a kingdom of unending prosperity and growth. That was an enticing idea. So uh, this didn't last. Uh, the devastating impact of two world wars in the next few years quickly brought such a grandiose uh, thinking back to earth. And so uh, here you can see how easy it is for for any of us to take what's going on in our world right now and the temptation is to apply it directly to Scripture and then pick up pieces of Scripture and stick them like a puzzle piece into our particular generation and say, this looks so much like that. This has got to be a fulfillment of that. And I had a personal friend who became quite well-known on a global scale as um, a teacher of prophecy uh, who... In his book, he and I discussed this many times before when he was just simply a pastor. And uh, we would meet once a month with some other pastors to talk about revival. Um, And we used to talk about this. And finally, he stated, and this was about the time that we were acquainted that in, I don't remember, I think 1976, that that God spoke to him and told him that uh, the United States is found in the book of Daniel. And from that began the thread of taking scriptures and saying that, well, the United States is in Daniel and that is putting us in the modern era and that means we are in the book of Revelation right now and that means the things that are happening in the book of Revelation should be applied to American history or even to world history. And so he began the puzzle piece process of taking those things and saying, well, World War II meant this in the Bible and this over here meant this in the Bible. And... um, uh, and he made himself rich off of this, and he had a great, uh, not a great, but a, a, a significantly significant following across America and beyond. Uh, so you can see here how these things can be taken, and people who do not know their Bibles, they are looking for someone to help them, and, uh, and they pick these things up. And there are dangers in that, and that's one of the reasons that we're teaching what we're teaching, and that's one of the reasons you don't want to miss the next lesson.